Welcome to episode 200 of the Reformed Brotherhood. I am Jesse. And I'm Tony, and we are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. For you, there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Welcome to the Big 200. I know it's funny because like the cadence is different, like 199, 199 versus 200. Like you're going to have to like readjust your intro there. Yeah, a little bit. It did seem a little bit strange coming out of my mouth, but here we are. Say goodbye to the 100s. We're firmly now in the twos. Looks like we made it. Can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, wasn't, I was prepared to just go with a quick can't stop, won't stop. I know. Everybody, no. once in a while, I, I have to sing, and people apparently really like it, so that's all you get tonight. Listen, I love it when you sing. Don't tease us like that. I love it when you <laughs> sing, and not only that, but I, I did not even I did not expect that piece of music, so kudos to you, sir. I don't, I don't even know anything more of that song except that one phrase. So. Doesn't matter. That's the best part. I don't think there is. I think that's the whole song. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. So in the spirit of the regular principle of podcasting, we forge ahead, right? It's special, but it's also just But it's week. not. It's not. There's only one holiday on the Reformed Brotherhood calendar, and it's just the episode. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so a- affirmations and denials, right? You know what to expect. So why don't you start us out this week? Oh, good. I'm going to play the food card on okay. both the affirmation and denial. Just setting the expectations so everybody's ready. So I think that one of the best things about the day and age in which we live is the plurality of food options. Yes. For like so much, so many parts of the world, we have access to food that is exceptional from all over the place. And I've got to think that again, for a lot of people and a lot of cultures and a lot of places where we live, isn't like every day the best day in the history of the world for food. I mean, there, there's certainly food deserts and we have to do something about that. And at the same time, there's just so much amazing food out there. So uh, this is also set up for something that I recently came to enjoy again and discovered at our local grocery store. And I was so impressed to find this. And by find this, I mean my wife found it because there's no way I know how to make my way through a grocery store. And it's she's true. very kind to acquire the food. But she found a store brand, a store brand version of kimchi. Oh, man. And this has been, I know we've been doing some texting about this, but the, the reason why I love kimchi is, so kimchi is, is basically just like pickled fermented cabbage with, it's kind of sweet. It's a little bit spicy. It's incredible. It's got amazing texture and because it's fermented, it's also good for your gut. So there's so many things to love. I mean, it is, uh, if, you know, put in a brine. So there is like salt. So be A lot of salt. Sodium. There's a lot of salt. Yeah is present in there. But here's the thing. It's just so good. And you can have it and eat it on so many things. You can put it on sandwiches, kimchi burger. If you've never had a kimchi burger before, do yourself a favor, go to your local grocery store, search out the kimchi. They're likely to have some. And the one that we were able to find, this brings me back to plurality thing was so good. And it's a store brand. Like I've actually had kimchi in Korea a couple of times. And this to me was just super good. It's not of course entirely authentic, but it's so good. So if you haven't tried kimchi, go find it. I don't have anything clever to add to that. I've never had like authentic good kimchi, but I've heard that it's very delicious. Have you had horrible inauthentic kimchi? Yeah, I've had terrible kimchi. <laughs> the, it's the not the like cafeteria, you're trying to protect people. 
the cafeteria at the hospital sometimes has something that they call kimchi, and really? I actually I actually have this theory that it's really just like the coleslaw that went a little bit bad, so they just repackage it called kimchi. Yeah, that so could be. I mean, this is good. its own thing. I I know people have a tendency to want to compare this to sauerkraut. And I get the comparison. I get the leap we're making there just because they're both fermented and they're both of a cabbage variety. But this is totally different. It's a very different flavor profile. Yeah. And it's super robust and very complex. But yeah, really good in sandwiches, salads. I'm not going to lie. Before we started recording this, um, my wife made some mac and cheese. And then for some reason, I just put kimchi on top of it. It was amazing. (laughs) Kimchi mac and cheese. Plurality people. Funny story about kimchi is uh, the seminary I went to, Gordon Conwell had a out outsized uh, Korean population. And um, there was two kind of subsets of the Korean student body. There was Korean Americans who were usually like second or third generation Koreans. So e- e- either their parents or their parents' parents were directly Korean immigrants. And then there was actually Korean immigrants. And I remember one time I went to some sort of activity and they were serving kimchi. And and if you've ever, I've never had authentic kimchi, but I've smelled authentic kimchi. And at first, when it first kind of confronts you, it doesn't, doesn't really smell good. Usually like you kind of, it's like sauerkraut. Like it, it kind of does have that like pungent, almost sort of like not like rotting, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's fermented. So it smells like a fermenting thing. Like it's got that pungent smell. And I had one of the Korean students, like Korean Korean students, try to explain it to me, and they couldn't. And the one of the American Korean students or Korean American students was like, "Yeah, well, authentic kimchi, they actually like bury it in the ground and yes. let it rot before they they dig it up." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to try that. Thanks, though." <laughs> so it's, it's so good, though. So good. You got. I know it sounds like such a strange thing, but you're going to try it and be like, "Wow, where has this been like, all my life in Korea?" I I feel like kimchi might be my version of olives for you because you try olives every year, but you still continue to hate them. Yeah, but I have I have more affinity for olives that are like good olives, like high quality, like olives that represent what olives should be. Those ones I have, like so you know you can get like cheap olives or you can get like the fancy olives. I I, I tend to like the fa- like the olives that would go to like a dance, like the black tie olives. Th- those ones I can handle a little bit better. <laughs> It's the ones mm. that are like the cheap, they got the like, stuffed pimentos. Not there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying like, that is like a whole different thing. I feel like we just slipped into a Seinfeld skit. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> How about you just tell me the olives you like? How about you just tell me the movie you want to see? So what are you affirming? So I'm affirming two things. I'm going to sneak a little backdoor affirmation in here. So the first thing I'm affirming, you have not seen this yet, I would assume, but one of our listeners named Mike actually went through for episode 200 and he like he texted me like a week ago to tell me he was almost done. He thought he was going to get it done for episode 200. He went back and he listened to every single affirmation that we've ever done and he cataloged it on a spreadsheet and sent it to us. So first, I'm affirming Mike. That's amazing. That's that's that is amazing. I don't, I, I don't want to listen to that much of me. So so kudos <laughs> to you for that endurance. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do with that information, but we will do something with that information. But uh, in light of that uh, sort of taxonomical uh, uh, accomplishment, I'm affirming something in the apps category. So 
Uh, actually, it's funny that we just talked about Jerry Seinfeld because he's kind of the most famous proponent of this method. So one of the things they talk about when you're trying to form a new habit is to build some sort of sense of accomplishment as you do it. So Jerry Seinfeld, when he's trying to form a new habit, he'll just – it's simple. He'll just put an X on the calendar when he's done something for a day and then he'll do it the next day. And his goal is to not break the chain. And so like the idea is like if you feel like, oh, I just don't want to do it. Maybe you're I'm, – I'm trying to learn how to run or if you're trying to be consistent with Bible reading, whatever the habit you're trying to form is. Right. When you look at a chain of the last 20 days that you've done it and you're like, oh, I don't want to do it. There's that extra little benefit of going, but I don't want to break the chain. So I'm affirming a little app that you can get on um, iOS, so for your iPad, your iPhone, whatever, uh, called Strides, which is just a habit-forming app. You can set up all sorts of little habits. You can do bad habits. So you can say, like, I don't want to do this, and then it'll you check off the number of times you don't do it. You can do things like saving for a goal where it'll it'll log how much you add each time you log it and it'll give you like a pace and tell you where you're going to be. So it's a very versatile little ha- little a- a habit app. It's called Strides. It's nothing special. It's it's basically the digital version of putting X's on a calendar. But I found that it's been helpful. I've been using it for about a week and a half now to just sort of like add that little bit of reinforcement uh, to a habit you're trying to form. That's great stuff. It's the simple yeah. things, right? That are always, I think, the stuff that's so helpful. When you're trying yeah. to change a behavior, that that's great. And to bring it back for just a second, what's so funny is when we started this, before we <laughs> literally hit the record button, we were talking about, are we doing affirmations denials? And, you know, we agreed, listen, can't stop that. We got, we got to, we got to push forward, even though it's special, push forward. And I'd said, I had one for you if you were looking for one and that was it. So was it the strides app? No, 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 oh. not strides, but it was our but brother was Mike. Habit. Because I actually sent him an email back. I looked through. This. So this, I think, will be made public at some point. And Mike yes. has done such a great job. And this really is like an amazing feat. Because he didn't just go back and listen to all the episodes and write down what the affirmations and denials were. He also linked them out. So if we actually gave a link or it was a particular object that we recommended, he went and actually found the appropriate link. Because he's linked out some of the music that I recommended, some of the apps you've talked about. It's all there. This is epic. And for anybody who's ever thought as they're listening to us talk like in their car, like, I'm never going to remember the thing that they said, but I'd like to check that out later. And then it's just gone. It's vanished from the world. This really is the answer because people do occasionally. And by occasionally, I mean all the time. Email us and say, what was that affirmation from like episode 63? And like, I have no idea. I I, I think it was probably popcorn and coconut oil. I feel like that's the that's the like most likeliest. But by definition, that's the most likeliest answer. If you say that, you're more likely to get that correct than any other affirmation that we've Since ever Since it's said. happened twice, you are technically yeah. correct. Yeah. <laughs> it is the that's most a, likely. That's a math joke. I, yeah. I figured you would like that. I did. I, I loved it more than I'm letting on. It was great. There's, so, a, there's a funny little joke that I, I have with your sister that anytime she says, what are the odds, like something strange happens. And she goes, well, what are the odds of that? And I just kind of dryly say, well, 100% because it happened. <laughs> <laughs> So I know that's not actually how odds work, but no, it's okay. It's really funny. But again, I appreciate that. We're such giant nerds that you gave that qualifier at the end. So somebody wouldn't email us and be like, you got to educate us on odds. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty, we're pretty down with the probability statistics on this (laughs) podcast, but I just wanted to jump back in and jump on that train with brother Mike, who did something that I think is exceptional because to painstakingly go through all those episodes, write it down and then find the links it's going to be awesome. So at some point, I'd like to, we'll disclose all that so people, if yeah. they want to go back and look up something, they can have it there at their fingertips. 
Yeah, and once we publish that, Mike has now contributed more show notes to the show than <laughs> I ever will. By by just sheer quantity, he's done more for show notes than I have in the last two hundred episodes. So good, I would good say on ba- you. Basically, at this at this point, like Brother Mike has solidified himself with some sense of notoriety because he's kind of like our unofficial intern at this point because he's done all yeah. this work. It's true. He did everything. I mean, I don't know if he's obligating himself now to forever catalog this stuff, but I certainly appreciate everything that he's done so far. It, I, when I saw it, I was going through it and I was like, well, I can't believe we mentioned half this stuff because <laughs> it's really not yeah. that interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It kind of made me reevaluate good. my affirmations and denials going forward. So I'm going to have to look because I'm going to put somebody a little bit on blast here. So when you oh. affirmed the king arthur baking hotline yes i got a text message from a listener who shall remain nameless at this point protect the innocent who said jesse has definitely affirmed the king arthur baking line and i said he absolutely has not so i will have to go back and look because now that it's actually cataloged we can we can settle the debate as to whether he has or has not this really is a gift i think he hasn't yeah, it is. Nobody, uh, nobody else really cares, but I care to be right on this one. So, <laughs> well, the only reason I feel pretty solid that I haven't affirmed that before is because I remember when I came into that information, and I remember it being amazing to me. So it would have had to be yeah. one of those situations where I completely forgot about it altogether. But as far as I can recall, I'd never used it before, and I had only just learned that week yeah. about it, and then tried it, and was like, "This is amazing." So, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a one-time deal, like original. Yeah, I, I mean, the, Mike did all the work for us, so it's it's either there and you did, or this other person's wrong, or or you know what, this person can take it up with Mike. <laughs> he can take it up with our intern. So <laughs> it's just got out of control. I love it. Well, thank you, thank you, brother Mike. Appreciate all that work. Yes. So denials. I think I'm you're s- up. I'm staying in the food category. So okay. because this is 200, I think at this point we can say that we've talked about at some point, and I'm, I can't quote the exact episodes, how we have a conviction toward enjoying alcoholic beverages in Christian liberty when it's appropriate to do so. That's something that we absolutely affirm. So let me take the, the contrary side or the, the contrary side, the reverse of that. Here, I want to deny a situation where Christian liberty does not allow you to enjoy an alcoholic beverage. And that is when the alcoholic beverage is made from Warhead's Blue Raspberries candy. So have you seen this? No. What kind of just disgusting blasphemy is this? Yeah. So at this, and that's kind of how I feel. That's why I'm denying it is I just don't want people to do this to the beer. I'm really just trying to stop this egregious thing from happening. So there's a brewery called Artisanal Brew Works. And you remember the Warheads candy, right? That's like that super yeah. sour. It was like coated in this like film. Like really, it was just meant to like destroy your taste buds and pucker your yeah. entire face. So yeah. they have a series of beers inspired by, made from that. I tried the Warheads Blue Raspberry Sour. And the thing, you have to look this up because the thing that I find so offensive about this is one, like, you know, you're just taking a flavor profile and you're just like kind of blowing it up. And it's, it's a gimmick. I get that. But also the beer is blue. Like if you hold it up, it looks like lagoon water. Like it's blue. There's no part of this I can just get behind. And it's not my style. And here's the thing. I actually think sour beers are pretty good because they're a wonderful stepping stone. If you're the kind of person that said, 
I'm not really into beer. I've tried it a couple times. I just don't, I just don't like it. This is like a great way because almost everybody who said that to me and has tried some kind of sour beer has said, Hey, this doesn't taste like beer. And I'm like, well, that's because it's a sour, but it's, it's beer. So yeah. sour beer is generally like pretty delicious, pretty amazing. It's a wonderful combination of things. Usually there is some kind of fruit component to it, but this idea of like the warheads blue raspberry sour seems like straight up blasphemy. I mean, I don't know exactly. I'm still working on like the scriptural reference to bring out, but there's, there's no doubt there's something here that is innately wrong. Yeah, I, um, I'm a little bit at a loss for words for this. I thought you were going to say that this was some sort of like liqueur, like, like a vodka or something like that. That's, that'd and be that, more acceptable, right? That I could actually get. I mean, I wouldn't like it, but I could understand it. I could get behind it a little bit. I'm not a favor of really strong, like niche beer profiles. So like, I don't want to like, I'm so my friend, Tim Shorey, who's a, who's a former pub admin and he, uh, he's a beer connoisseur. He convinced me not to like pumpkin beers. Like I'll drink a pumpkin beer in the fall because it's the fall and you kind of have to, but like a really strong pumpkin beer. I'm not, I don't get behind that or like an apple flavored beer. And like, this just seems like everything I hate about that kind of beer, like <laughs> intensified. So I'm, I'm not sure. Like, yeah, right, I don't because, know. So maybe this is a totally ignorant statement, but I'm going to presume I'm going to go on like good authority here that of course there's no like blue raspberry fruit that we're bringing into this. There's no like real authentic like flavor profile for this. So it's all like artificial, which I guess is part of the thing that kind of just makes me bristle, but more of just like, why would you do this to good beer? Like, why would you do this to a sour beer? Stop it. Just make it stop. Yeah. I mean, blue, blue raspberries aren't a real thing. So there's no, there's no, yeah. It, the only thing that might redeem this, we're getting like really bogged down on this. The only thing that might redeem this is if they actually use blue, like if they start with blue raspberry warheads, then it's a, it's enough of a little bit of a gimmick that it's, it's clever and creative. But if they're just like brewing a beer, like a sour beer, and then just like dumping syrup into it, then that's not cool. I don't like any beer that is flavored after the fact like that. Like if you're going to flavor profile a beer, you should do it during the brewing process, not by just adding an extract. But yeah, this just, uh, this just rubs me the wrong way. I realize there's lots of foods that have this kind of thing where there's like an artificial flavoring component. So I'm not entirely ignorant of course to that reality yeah and yet with this i just feel like it's beer that's lying about being beer so there's actual four flavors including excluding this one so there's a green apple black cherry lemon watermelon so all of the major flavor profiles for the warheads yeah have you tasted this stuff yes this one i have tried and it was exactly like you might expect it to be like it was super to me it kind of tastes sickeningly sweet and it tasted like you're trying to you've just tried to insert some alcohol into candy well that's okay but the (laughs) yeah this i just save that for like a for like a liqueur or something like that that's what that's for like a schnapps or something no this is not okay yeah, I mean, we, we need could, to move on, or this is going to become the say, entire subject of episode two hundred. And I don't, I'm not about exact, that exact same thought. So, bring us home. What are you denying? So, mine's, a, I guess, a little more serious. Maybe. Um, How dare you? That it was also a very serious someone, someone who <laughs> I sh- I'm not going to say that joke. Um, <laughs> so, I'm denying Los Angeles County, and here's why. Right. 
So uh, we haven't spoken about um, John MacArthur and Grace Community Church and what's going on with the lawsuit. And we haven't spoken about that on the show. We have talked about the fact that we think that both it's important for congregations to exercise civil disobedience in certain contexts. And we talked about the parameters for for how and when to do that. And part of it is um, obeying as much as possible and only disobeying what's absolutely necessary. Exactly. And so I actually was in full support of John MacArthur's decision to continue to meet and gather worship, even indoors, um, provided that they were going to wear masks and practice whatever social distancing they can. Um, they didn't do that. And so I was opposed to the way that they executed their civil disobedience, but the civil disobedience itself, I was in support of. And here's why I'm, I'm uh, denying Los Angeles County. So, so everybody has read about this by now. John MacArthur puts out this statement and says, we're going to meet anyways. Caesar is not the head of the church. Great. I'm actually pretty much on board with, with most of what he said. Then this was a little weird, but he, he brought on retainer Donald Trump's personal lawyer, which maybe legally was a good choice, but I'm not sure op- optics-wise was the best idea. But they brought a lawsuit, and uh, the whichever court they went to sided with them and said, you can continue to uh, meet as long as you wear masks uh, and practice social distancing. And there was actually a lot of people who were really frustrated by the fact that John MacArthur said, great, well, we're happy to comply with that. Why it is that he refused to comply to that before and now he was okay afterwards, I'm not sure. But one of the things that this demonstrates, I think, that's frustrating is Los Angeles County, even after they said, we will comply with your public health orders, but we refuse to comply with uh, your restrictions on gathered worship, they still said, even after they were willing to comply with these health orders, we're going to appeal and we're still going to shut you down. And so what what has been proven now is that in Los Angeles County, at least, there are no reasonable steps that can be taken that will allow a church to continue to worship, specifically churches. Um, so when we talked about civil disobedience, we talked about how one of the things that, that was a parameter is when the church starts to get singled out for being a church, not necessarily persecution. I don't know that I would call this persecution, but it is clearly the case that certain kinds of groups are being singled out, religious groups, faith groups, whatever you want to call them are being singled out and treated differently, which is a violation of our constitution. Um, Los Angeles County has now made it clear that no matter what steps a religious institution or a faith-based group takes, even if they comply with all of the public health orders, they still are not interested in um, in acquiescing or allowing those groups to continue to meet right. and worship according to their convictions. So I'm denying Los Angeles County as firmly and as strongly as I can, because not only is that a violation of our of the laws of our land, uh, but that is it's wicked. It's absolutely wicked. And one of the things that the Westminster tradition and the the London Baptist Baptist tradition uh, both affirm is that the the state does have a role in uh, the way that the church functions, Not, not an oversight role. If anything, it's almost like a little bit of a guardianship role. The right. state is supposed to sort of shepherd and guard the church and enable them to worship unmolested. 
And right now, Los Angeles County is doing the opposite of that. So I'm I'm denying Los Angeles County. I, I, I have been pretty transparent that I think it was really foolish for John MacArthur to gather thousands of people in an air-conditioned room with no masks and sing out loud and proud and not have any worries about coronavirus. So far, it appears that God has protected them from the coronavirus. Um, praise God. I'm not sure why he's chosen to protect them in a foolish situation, but I'm glad that he has. I don't want anyone to get sick. I don't want anybody to die. But uh, right now, Los Angeles County has stepped over the line. They, they've now crossed into the realm of wickedness. So I am denying Los Angeles County and all of the people who are involved in that decision. And I pray that they will be convicted of that and repent and turn to Jesus. I'm behind you on that. I mean, basically, we're talking about the same type of wickedness, right? The people that make a warhead blue raspberry sour beer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't want anybody to think it's the same. I'm, I'm just not, kidding. I'm not sure how that's an infringement of religious liberty, but I'm pretty sure that it is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. You're right. I think these are going to be, I mean, we keep saying, how can things get more interesting? And yet really they do. And so I think that this will obviously get more complicated yeah. before it really gets all sorted out. But this is the kind of thing that all Christians really should be thinking about. Yeah. We spoke about that in that particular episode of just having a keen eye on understanding, seeing what's going on in the culture, but also being prepared for these kind of discussions. Yeah. Like when your church needs to make decisions about this, when maybe even in your local community, even at the the small level that yeah. something happens with the infection rates and there's some kind of mandate that's handed down. Are you prepared? I mean, have you really yeah. processed what it means, what you're going to do, how you would defend that, what kind of civil disobedience is appropriate and how your leaders and your elders would take that on. So yeah. I think it's well within everybody's should be thinking about this, but it certainly should be ta- talking to your elders and asking them as well. Like, what are, yeah. what are we doing? What is our policy on this? How are we going to understand it? And this is like a good lightning rod for more conversation. So even just saying, are you aware of John MacArthur's church and what's going on there? Yeah. And if something happened to us like that here, how might our leadership deal with that situation and lead us into making those hard decisions? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about this. We've, we've talked about this at length. So I don't I don't know that we need to spend any any much more time, any much more time uh, that we need to spend much more time on this. But this is one of those things that um, really does become a watershed event and a, a moment in our in our shared Christian lives is right. that none of us up until this point in the United States, at least and in most places in the Western world have faced any real challenges to our freedom of assembly, to our freedom to gather. And although the pandemic itself was sort of a, a, a way that we had to grapple with when is it appropriate for us to choose not to gather, there are now places in the United States where like pastors and congregations are legitimately facing legal action from the government for simply choosing to gather and, and exercise their freedom to practice their religion openly. Um, so it pray, pray that it doesn't come to your state, right? There's no shame in praying that these difficulties will, will pass over you. Um, pray for Christians who are in those situations. There, there are more in the States than we'd like to. Um, and most of all, let's, let's show some grace for our leaders just yes. because your elders decide not to exercise civil disobedience does not mean they're being unfaithful. Even if they think that it would be appropriate, they may still say it's prudent for us at this time to, to just submit and to exercise, um, a little bit of discretion in how we do this. So pray for them, pray with them, encourage them, um, and pray for John MacArthur. I mean, he's, I have my disagreements with John MacArthur. I have my disagreements with how he's approached this, but, 
for better or worse, right now he's the tip of the spear in in pushing right. back against some of these religious liberty infringements that we're seeing uh, coming into an election year. I don't want to be political, but like this is a big, important time, and this is a big, important issue that's probably going to have impact, you know, for the next several decades if we uh, if we don't think carefully about how to handle it, and if we don't seek God's protection and His deliverance from what could really be a difficult time for the church. Well, since you brought up big and important times, this is a big and important time for this silly little podcast. We've got I some know. new things going on, some things to announce. We it do. is we're not going to let the 200th go by without a little bit of something special. Yes. So most people who are getting this podcast have noticed a little bit of something different in their podcast feed because that's how podcasts work. Uh, we have a brand new logo, which I know doesn't seem really exciting. I don't actually even know where our logo came from. When, when Jesse and I, uh, and we'll talk about this because we had a listener who called or who um, messaged us on Facebook and wanted us to talk about this. But when Jesse and I first started talking about a podcast, I was like, yeah, let's call it the Reformed Brotherhood because like, we're brothers and like, you know, like it's kind of a niche thing and there isn't really anything out there. I hadn't heard of Two Thieves yet, which is actually exactly the same show as us. It's just a different name. It's the same setup. And then all of a sudden he emailed me a logo and was like, I made this logo and I have no idea where it came from. So that that's been our logo now for 200 episodes. But we recently uh, contracted Paul Cox, who is famous for uh, RefTunes. He has a whole other line of work, but in our circles, RefTunes is really the most thing, uh, the thing he's the most known for. And he he made this really awesome logo for us. I'm really excited about this logo. It's bright. It's pretty. Uh, it's eye catching. It really encapsulates kind of what we want for the show. It's much more mature than what we had. Uh, and I'm just really excited that we get to now unveil this and share it with people. I agree. It's sharp. It's got good color. It's got now the tagline on it. It's got our mugs on it in like a way where we've got, we've got a lot more expression in this one. If anybody's familiar with the old one, it's true. sometimes people would think it, we were the same person. So at least yeah. here we don't look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. I'd wear like a t-shirt to like a work gathering and they'd be like, why is your face on your shirt twice? And I'd be like, no, that's my brother-in-law. And they're like, really? Is it? So yeah, it's, it's great. And we're excited and we, we don't have new shirts and stuff yet. We're working on it. Um, the, the, the store is almost ready to go. We've got our samples in production and we're just waiting for them to be delivered so we can make sure that they're high quality and that they're, uh, they're ready to go. Uh, one thing that's really exciting, you know, I've been working with, we've been working with Raphael now over at, uh, confessional wear t-shirts and, and apparel. Um, Wow, it's probably been for over 100 episodes now. I don't even know how long it's been. And one of the things that we're excited is he's graciously um, allowed us to keep our old merchandise available on his website. Uh, so if you want to buy what we're going to call our legacy gear, uh, go to his website. It's going to stay there. It's not going anywhere anytime soon that I'm aware of. If you want to pick up a T-shirt with our old logo on it, it's still going to be available. And we're going to have, like I said, we're going to have new shirts, new mugs, new everything available uh, probably in just a couple weeks here. So we'll announce that. We're going to do a sweet giveaway, I think, when we uh, get that stuff ready to go. But we're really stoked. And one of the things, you know, this may seem like a silly thing, but Jesse and I were recently uh, together in New Hampshire for a week. And one of the things we talked about as we were trying to work out the details of this logo is that as the show has grown, as it's become something more than just a podcast, and we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about, like, why do we do this show? tonight like we're, why do we do this what's it all about what's our goals right 
we've found that the show has matured. It's changed into something different than it was when it first started. It was it was just a podcast. Like we didn't have a tagline. We didn't even say our names when we started the episode. We just started talking. <laughs> so um, you know, we, we we cobbled together clips from Arrested Development just because it had the word brother in it. Right. So so we're excited, and th- this progression and this logo really kind of represents our kind of our vision and our goal for this this community that we're trying to build. Is we want it to be a place that's growing and maturing and changing and has some dynamism to it it's not as flat you know as flat and one-dimensional or two-dimensional as as it has been in the past so we're really excited about uh kind of where we're going with this show in the future and i'm gonna tease it even more than you did because i'm looking at it right now on a t-shirt and it looks banging like it's just yeah. way more fun to wear i like the old logo but this has got so much character it's a little whimsy and i think it also just looks like a little bit more grown up so it's yeah it's gonna be great on all kinds of merch so i'm super excited about that yeah, and if you want to get a tattoo of this logo, then uh, <laughs> wow, you have you have our blessing to get a tattoo of this logo. Um, <laughs> we only ask that if you tattoo it in an appropriate place that you send us a picture. Wow, <laughs> I didn't expect we were going there, but that that would be the ultimate. Like then, I think that's again ulti- You would have automatic intern status. It's true, yeah. Speaking of intern status, one of the first things that I'm going to do when we get our new merchandise set up is I'm going to get in touch with Mike. We're going to send him a, a Reform Brother t-shirt. So he'll be the first owner. Absolutely. The first owner besides me and Jesse, because we're getting samples of a Reform Brother t-shirt, to say thank you for all of the hard work you did on this spreadsheet. And just, I think Mike has been a fan of the show probably since almost the beginning. Um, yes. I don't have like a timeline that tells me when individual people started listening, but Mike's name has been around in emails and in (laughs) voicemails for a long time. So we're, you know, it's, it's fun too, because we're starting to get voicemails from people. We're starting to see repeated themes. We're starting to see people, you know, um, there, there's a couple who listen to the show that I remember when I first started talking to them and they were, they weren't even engaged yet. Right. And now they're, now they're expecting a child. Like the show had nothing to do with that. Like, I don't want to have pretenses that somehow thing to do with somehow that. we set them up you know but um <laughs> the show the show is how i became aware of this this couple so it's exciting to see this community grow um we, we're working on some exciting things and some exciting ideas for the, the facebook group itself um so we're really we're really stoked to see where we're going to go with this and that's really kind of where we want to take this particular episode yeah. it's, it's a little bit of a celebration talk a little bit about how things started and where we want to go but also just to celebrate the gospel, because really that is, I think, always on our hearts. Whatever we're talking about is not far from this idea of wanting to encourage brothers and sisters and to reform our truth and to bring that truth to light and then to live it out in such a way that we honor God and we live abundantly. And that's, I really think that's never far. We talk about a lot of technical things, but hopefully at the end of the day, there's this real sense and feeling that everything has been imbued with that flavor. Like basically- This is like the kimchi and everything's been pickled and marinated in Jesus. And that's, I'm trying to. I'm glad, I'm glad you went with the kimchi example and not the sourhead or the warheads beer example. Yeah, no, that's, that'd be the opposite. That would be the evil. If we were talking, if we were doing total depravity, certainly there'd be an, an it's true, but it's true. So one of the things we should start with is somebody actually reached out to us and said, do you mind if I ask? How did you guys start podcasting? I don't know if we've ever really talked about it. It's not like there's necessarily there's much of a story, but it. I I don't know. It's kind of, kind of strange. How how do you answer that when people ask you? Well, th- there's actually two kind of two events that brought about the yes. the beginning of this podcast. So, 
I, I ever since I've been listening to podcasts, um, you know, White Horse Inn was and, and Reform Forum were the first two podcasts that I really remember listening to. And I remember thinking, like, I want to do that someday. I want I want to be a podcaster someday. Actually, listening to White Horse Inn, I didn't even know what a podcaster was. I was listening to it on the radio. And I remember thinking, like, I would like to do this. Like, I feel like I would I would enjoy just having conversations for other people to be edified by. And so I had actually begun a podcast with, I'm not going to use his name, not, not that it's any dirty word or that he would be opposed to me saying it, but I actually had started a podcast with someone and then like we got to episode three and sad to say, like he apostatized, like he, he left the faith kind of out of nowhere. He, he messaged me. He's like, I'm not the guy to do this podcast anymore. And I was like, well, why not? And he's like, well, cause I just became Roman Catholic. <laughs> so it was like, I had kind of put my foot in there. And so I was like, man, who am I going to do a podcast? with. Now I've got, I've got this idea. I've got this format that I've got in mind. And then I was like, well, maybe Jesse. And actually when I first asked you about this, I was kind of thinking maybe you would just like kind of fill in and be a temporary host until I found someone else. So we weren't even going to change the name of the show. And I remember distinctly when we decided like, this is going to be a permanent thing. Like this is going to be a, we're not just going to take this other concept that we had in place and just do it differently, a little bit differently. We're going to actually make this our own thing so it can be a permanent thing. Right. Yeah. That's how I remember it. And we had, you came to visit me actually. And then we Mm -hmm. had a whole series of discussions about that. Basically our wives left us unattended and then everything just blew up. It just became a massive podcasting, like brainstorm dump, like all these ideas of what we want to accomplish. And the beauty of it is it doesn't require a whole lot of work with respect to yeah. you, you want to be prepared and it's going to take commitment and discipline to do. But this is why we've always gone on record and saying like, if you want to start a podcast, you ought to try to start a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it does take a lot of work. Like one of the reasons that podcasts tend to fade out after like five, six episodes is because you think when you start a podcast, you really think, I'm going to get behind the mic. I'm going to talk for like 45 minutes. We're going to do that once a week. And like, that's all the time commitment there is. There is prep that goes into the shows. Like we don't, we don't spend a lot of prep. There are some shows that spend a lot of time outlining their content and researching. You know, I think about like, like Luke or, um, or Kevin on uh, Christ in context, Kevin's purchasing commentaries and studying commentaries in order to be able to provide an intelligible and intelligent, look at the scriptures that he's unpacking. Um, you know, I, I, I talked to some of the other guys in the network and they're spending time researching. And then I'm not saying that we don't sometimes take time researching, right? When we were doing Micah cast, we spent time reading commentaries when we did reform preaching, obviously we read the chapters and we, we, you know, we talked about them a little bit, but one of the things that I've enjoyed most about podcasting that I would encourage everybody who's thinking about being a podcaster to do is really like, get behind the mic and do it a little bit, but you have to realize like you have to set aside the time to do the things like editing, posting to websites, researching right. technology, understanding how it works. You know, it's funny. I joke about how I don't, I don't do show notes. That's because show notes are like soul crushing for me. Like I just, I hate <laughs> doing them. They're, they're like the worst thing. So most of the time, and here's the thing. Most people don't ever go to your website 
Most people don't spend a lot of time browsing on your website. So that's just not something that I want to invest time in. So so we focus our time and energy in other ways. But it's funny because this really did start. You know, we joke about it. It really did start. We went to Trogues Brewery, which is a brewery near, near Jesse's house, and we got a couple samplers. We had some food, and our wives were like, we want to go shopping real quick. And just like, well, we're, you know, we still have a couple a couple samples left. We'll just stay here until you're you're back. And, and that's where the podcast was born. We had already been kind of talking about it. We already sort of had said like, well, this this situation is is presented. Um, and this was where the story about the logo comes in because it's like, well, we could use the old logo, but that logo has a whole theme that goes with it. And it was a very Presbyterian theme. The, the concept, <laughs> you know, I had this little show that I did for a while called The Reform Standard. Right. That was the show. And it was going to be me and this other guy going through the catechisms and just talking through them. And I, Jesse and I couldn't really do that the same way because Jesse's right. a Baptist and I'm not. And he, you know, so we could talk about the catechism. We love the confessions. That part yes, is obviously still in place. But we decided to move forward with a different concept and a different show because, you know, the interactions that Jesse and I have, the the history we have and our, our shared focus is different than the history and shared focus that I had with this other person I was doing a podcast with. So we wanted to take this 200th episode to talk a little bit about kind of like, why do we do this? Like, what's the point of the Reformed Brotherhood? Why do we do it? What's the central focus? Um, you know, and kind of share like our vision and goal. Like we've talked about it a little bit here and there, but we want, really want to kind of lay it out there and just sort of say like, here's where we're at. Here's what we're doing. Right. Because as far as I, mean, I know, and I know that you and I have had this conversation, we're in it for the long haul. And yeah. even if nobody listened to it, I know people say this, but this was actually true of us. It's not a cliche. Is I think part of what drove us to say, well, let's just start to record this is we really were having the conversations anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we really were. Yeah. We, whenever we were together or we talked on the phone, we'd end up in these kind of places talking about these kind of things, asking yeah. one another, did you hear about this? Have you seen this thing? Have you heard about this new book? Right. All this stuff was always the way in which we're interacting with each other. And so I think that's the beautiful thing about podcasting is it's like a low cost medium. Almost anybody's accessible to most people you can get in. And it's so beautiful, I think, to hear people dialogue in a way that's natural and helpful. And, and I mm -hmm. hope that that's what we're doing. You're, you're not getting like a lot of stage stuff with us because yeah. there is no stage. We do enough preparations that we want to be thoughtful in our approach. And yeah, I think one of the great things is that I hope that everybody has somebody like I have a view where they can have these kind of conversations. And if not, maybe this might inspire people to reach out in their own communities and their own churches yeah. to start to meet people and to start to get to know other people and to have these kind of conversations because they're always edifying to me. And so I'm hoping that some of that, for lack of a better word, like magic, just that that inspiration, that sense of excitement and energy does come through. And so yeah. I think that's always something that we've tried to carry forward. And I'm at least proud to say that after 200 episodes, not only have I not apostatized, but <laughs> still Baptist. And actually somebody oh, reached out to us explicitly to, to say congratulations to me for not becoming Presbyterian <laughs> yet. So I'll take it. Yeah, well, I don't have to say I'm still Presbyterian because there's never been a podcast host in the history of podcasting that's gone that direction <laughs> that I'm aware of. So, wow. So wow. I think what that means is it's just a matter of time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about like the like what's the big idea? What's the main point? Because I think let's do it. I think you and I, we both know like this is the core of what we do and why we do it. Right. But I'm not a hundred percent sure that someone like Mike 
who has listened to every episode and cataloged it would be able to articulate like this is why Jesse and do it, and Tony do it. This is what they're always driving at. This is always the point of the show in a way that I think you and I probably could both articulate. So maybe maybe this will be fun. Why don't you tell me what you think the point of the show is, and then <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that, and maybe I'll tell you what I think yeah, the point of the show is. This is like the behind the hurt curtains like meeting that's happening. I know, like right now. Well, let me before I, I answer that, let me say so I can buy some more time to try to figure out what it is that should be the point, so that we're on the same page. <laughs> But one of the things if you know I do, what the point is, please call and tell us. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a voicemail. Yeah. One of the things that I think is important is that hopefully, in before I get to like that point, that point is being modeled. I hope it's more than just like yeah. well, we have this agenda and we're trying to promulgate certain ideas or certain sense of yeah. theology, but that there's something that's happening here that's like a, a representation of something we'd like to see replicated, like all over the earth, this kind of conversation, yeah. this kind of talking among brothers and sisters, this kind of lifting up and challenging and being willing to have kind of conversations. I look back at some of the titles over the past 199 episodes and realized not only have we covered like an immense amount of random ground, but sometimes we've talked about some very candid things. I think yeah. we've been very honest with each other. And sometimes I've listened back and thought, wow, we've been really honest knowing that people are going to hear some of the things that we say. Yeah. And, but, but I think that that is, if we can't model that for Christians just by way of genuine conversation among people who are supposed to be brothers, both related by way of the law and related by way of the gospel, yeah. then what can we really hope for? So all of that as like pretext. Um, for me, this has always been about a couple of things. It really has always been about having Jesus at the center. Yes. And making sure that our theology keeps Jesus at the center. So there's yeah. an accuracy of thinking that leads to right living. And I've said that, I know, probably ad nauseum 199 times, but it bears repeating because I think part of what we do here at the core is getting our place to uh, getting ourselves to a place where right thinking leads to right living. Yeah. And so we constantly need to be preaching the gospel to ourselves as Martin Luther said. And so I think a lot of what we do is we'll pick a topic but I'm always so happy when we're in the midst of that topic, suddenly somehow Jesus just pops out. And then we have almost yeah. like a moment of doxology as we're going back to that. So for me, it's about right thinking leading to right living with Jesus at the center. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right on. I think if you were to, were to summarize um, what the central feature of our show is or what we intend it to be, not that we're always hundred percent on this, but it's the gospel. Right. And, and I think where some people might, misunderstand us saying that is at least in terms of the podcast itself we're not about evangelism like this isn't a show where we're trying to win the lost there are shows out there that are designed to try to bring kind of catch the atheist attention and then present the gospel to them and that's a worthy pursuit but we're really focused in this show about the brotherhood, right? Honor everyone, love the brotherhood. And, and we talked a little bit about this before, but what, what that's really about is about the fact that uh, the, the the writers of the epistles, Paul, Peter, you know, kind of all across the spectrum of the, the biblical authors in the New Testament, there's a clear direction that says you are to, to worry about taking care of Christians and edifying Christians and doing good to Christians at a higher level than you are to worry about doing good to everyone else. You're to do good to everyone, but especially to the household of faith. And so I I think one of the things we've tried to focus on as we've built this, that's why we're so keen on saying like we're trying to build this community, is that we're trying to foster this community of people 
some people who just listen to the show. We're trying to get more into the Facebook uh, arena. We're trying to foster this community where Jesus is the center and we are constantly re absorbing and rehashing and re-understanding and reappropriating the gospel. Right. Because that's one of the number one errors that I see in a lot of Christian circles is the gospels for unbelievers. And now we've graduated onto right. something else. And, and so there's a truncated view of the gospel that it's just about justification. It's just about getting over that, that, that line to being justified so you can get to heaven. And then everything else after that is like the advanced course in Christianity. But in reality, like understanding the gospel is a daily pursuit that we have to go through every single second of every day. And so there, there's not an episode that I, I don't go into it and pray about and say, let the gospel be clear in front and center to Christians in this. And the other thing that I think we've been loud and clear about is as that community grows and what we're trying to foster in that community is also a focus on holiness. And it holiness is part of the gospel, not in the sense that the law becomes part of the gospel, right? We're not saying, and we never said that uh, somehow works become part of the gospel, that, that right. your sanctification contributes to your justification. But the fact that we are justified and and are being sanctified and will someday be glorified. That's all part of the gospel. That's all part of the good news. The good news doesn't stop when you're freed from your sin. The good news is completed in the fact that you are now one with Christ. You're united to Christ and in him you will truly live. And I think one of the things that, you know, as I as I look back on kind of like my my first entry into the world of social media as a Christian, I was in this group um, that was kind of like a general evangelical milieu. And one of the things that was constantly coming up was like, well, that's just about knowledge. You're just focused on knowledge. It's all about head knowledge. And that's something that's really commonly thrown at people who are theologically minded. And there's some truth to that. Like people sure. who are really interested in theology can become really heady and can, can get really involved in just intellectual pursuits that are divorced from reality. But when you look in the scriptures, one of the number one things that we are commanded to do in terms of our ongoing renewal and sanctification in Christ is involving knowledge. So here's just one sample. This is from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay? So we're primarily talking about the scriptures, but God has given to us all things we need for life and godliness. Through the scriptures, but then through this Holy Spirit as well. And so here's where it is. The, the general evangelical milieu would say, through faith in Christ, divorced from knowledge. But what right. does Peter say? Peter says, through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted, us to his, granted to us his precious and very great promises. So then he says, for every reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And he goes on to then give several other categories that we need to supplement our faith with. But this idea that the gospel is just this justification issue, and it's just about being freed from hell. It's just a get out of hell free card. And it only happens by this sort of blind trust and this blind relying on Christ. That's just not what the scriptures teach. And so one of my aims with this show has always been to cultivate the life of the mind because it's through the renewing of our mind that we're able to test and discern what the will right. of God is and to please God through that will. It's through the knowledge of him that we partake in the divine nature. 
nature, not through blind faith, not through the feels that we have in our gut, but through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that this is the word, the word in Greek here, guess what? It means knowledge. It's talking about intellectual content. There's nothing hidden in the Greek that would make it sound different than it is. So I think that's been a, a, a big focus of ours is understanding the gospel and that the gospel is for Christians, but that the gospel is not just about feelings. It's not just about um, this reliance on Christ. It's about really truly knowing him. And that, that knowing has an intellectual content. And that's just a good old-fashioned Protestant distinction, right? It's not even re- distinctly reformed. The definition of faith has always included intellectual content. It's always There's always been a factual content that has to be believed. The Nicene Creed involves historical facts. We confess the knowledge of historical facts and consider it to be necessary for salvation, certain historical facts. Right. Well, and the truest emotion is the one that follows that kind of factual understanding, isn't it? I mean, we yeah. know this to be true. Even we've talked about this in Affirmations Denials on several episodes when we're critiquing a movie. And we talk about how there's meant to be an emotional scene, but we have no connection with the characters because we know nothing about them. We have no sense of their background or their interaction with each other. And yet we're made to somehow manufacture something that we're feeling. And how many of us tend to try to do that in some way when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Christian truth or teaching? And it struck me as you were saying that, that the gospel you're talking about is really good news every day. I mean, and it's not passive good news. So it demands a response. And if we're going to say it's good news every day and that's not passive, it demands a response. And what we're also saying is it demands a response every day, not just on the day that God right. saves you and you say you yeah. have some sense of confession and repentance in that moment, but that it's you're continually breathing in and breathing out this sense of response to the gospel. It's a yeah. message from God saying, of course, that here's the good news. Here's how you can be saved from my judgment. And yet that judgment, once he click drags and drops, that judgment from the future into the present by way of Jesus Christ, that's so transformative that every day thereafter requires a response. It requires you to know something about that good news right? and then to do something about that good news. And so, you know, just like they say that people study psychology so they understand themselves, maybe I do this podcast just so I have an excuse to say out <laughs> loud the things in which I need to just so desperately hear all the yeah. time. But that's what struck me, I think, that sometimes is a criticism. I think maybe sometimes people levied that criticism against us is that we talk so much about this idea of, well, we need to get after it. And what we're saying, of course, is getting after this pursuit of holiness in a real way, in a way that is spirit-empowered, is spirit-enabled, that stands in and on the blood of Jesus Christ. And yet, at the same time, if we know that to repent of our sins means to turn away from our rebellion against God. In other words, like all sin is ultimately reflective of a breaking and a severing, a divorce of relationship with God. Then it's not, I think this is why we harp on this so much. It's not like when you sin, it's like you're breaking heavenly traffic laws. We're we're talking about like cosmic treason, right? As I guess R.C. Spohr would call it. And so repentance doesn't mean that we'll bring an immediate end to our sinning. But one of the things I think we emphasize in this podcast, I think is so important is It does mean, though, that we'll never again live at peace with our sins. And so in some way, and I don't want people to misunderstand me, but I'm going to say it this way for the dramatic effect. In some way, the Christian life is the tortured life. It's the one that is constantly at unease with the way things are, but is at peace with the way God has saved everybody. Yeah. And, And so there still is like a fight that happens there. It's still hard. It's still unnerving at times. And so what I think in the midst of that kind of struggle, we need brothers and sisters who are willing to come alongside and sometimes give the challenging word, sometimes give the encouraging word, but they're always there for this. Like they're standing yeah. up for this principle that we're never going to be at peace with our sin again. 
And so that piece needs somebody of support that God brings into our lives. And we want to yeah. we want to kind of inspire that into people's lives. Yeah, and and I think you know I I suppose our listeners can be the judges of whether we've done this well or not. But I I think that the reason you know we we joke about it, but it really is true. Like even if nobody listens to our show, we're going to keep making it right. because there there is this element in my own life that I know every single week whether it's, you know, most of the time it's on a Sunday evening, but every single week I'm going to have to come and I'm going to have to be able to talk about the things of God and I'm going to have to be able to be honest. And there are times, and this is, maybe this is a silly thing. There are times where I'm tempted to sin and I think I I can't do that because I'm going to come and I'm going to talk about theology with Jesse on Sunday and people are going to listen to me Right and I'm going to have influence over people. And, and I have to take that seriously. I have to take seriously the fact that people people listen to what I have to say and they, they take it seriously. And so there is that element. And, and you know what? When you, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the admonitions uh, of what it means to be a teacher, and part of the reason why not many should be teachers is because there is this higher level of judgment. And, and we can talk about this a little bit. We don't, want to, you know, we don't want episode 200 to be 200 minutes long. But there is this element of <laughs> podcasting where there's this difference between kind of like capital M ministry and lowercase yes, m ministry. Right. And, and, you know, I, I'm one of my things that's a pet peeve, and this isn't any direct, direct statement against anybody who, who does this, but people who call their, their podcast or their blog, they call it a ministry. I understand what's being said there. And, and in the sense that most people mean that this is also a ministry in the sense that all Christians are ministers. All Christians are servants of the arrest of the Christians in the world. And so when we do this show, when we do this silly little podcast that maybe 600 people listen to on a, on a good day, we are doing this in an attempt to serve the church in a way that we believe that this is something God has has led us to do, has empowered us to do, has given us resources and talents to do. And we want to use those talents in service to the church. So in that sense, it's a ministry. And, and there's a seriousness to that. There's a, there's a gravity to that. That's not the same as the gravity of stepping into the pulpit or the gravity of being a right. seminary professor or a, a, some sort of formal teaching position in the church. But there is a gravity recognized that and I've talked about this before. Like when I say something that I later figure out is wrong, I feel obligated to come up, come clean and say it to come, come on the show or write something on the blog and say, Hey, I, I said this thing in episode, whatever. And I've done a little bit more study. And I, I think that probably wasn't right. And here's why I think it probably wasn't right. And sometimes I'll even say, or I'll, I'll have the discussion and say, here's why I thought it was right at the time. And here's why that argument isn't terrible, but here's the new information that I have. And that that's been important in my own sanctification. Cause I don't like to say that I'm wrong. It's not something that I love doing. And I'm actually much more likely to be able to do it in my regular life now because I've I'm practiced at being able to do it publicly in a way where there's really nowhere to hide. Like pe- my, the, the words that we've said, they're out there. Like right. we could delete every episode off our website and shut down the show, but they're still out there. People have copies of them. They, they exist. And so like once you get your voice out there, you can't take it back. And there's a seriousness to that that I think has been helpful for me as I've grown as a Christian thinker and as I've grown as a person who wants to share my thoughts with the rest of the church, there's a, there's a gravity that's been really helpful for me. I'm sure we're not the first ones to bring that up, but I do think that has been something that's been unique and a steadfast theme through my conversations is what I now label the small M versus capital M of ministry. Yeah. Cause it's very easy for Christians to say, 
I think sometimes what, what we can do is we'll take something that we're already doing maybe as a hobby and we'll try to smuggle in ministry and be like, well, that's my ministry. I do that as like a ministry yeah. to like unbelievers. And that's probably not incorrect. However, I think we need to get our priorities in order. Like even you and I do this podcast, but we also realize that we need to be involved principally in our local congregations as well. Right. And so I think we actually prioritize those obligations even over this, even when it comes to Absolutely. scheduling and all kinds of other stuff, because that is where God says to, to us to spend our time first and foremost. So I want all Christians to get on board with that idea that we ought to be careful what we just label as ministry and ask, what are we really doing there? And even more so, if your small lowercase m ministry is something where you're just being friendly or gathering people together, hoping to build relationship, that's the kind of thing I want to push on again a little bit too, just because mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with doing that. But there are lots of groups, especially nowadays, that are trying to find solidarity with one another. So the unique question is, where's the gospel in all of that? Like, yeah. Are we willing to be the person that once we gain a little bit of trust and rapport with people, that we're willing to start having those conversations? Because I'm the first to say that that's often scary. But I think one of the things we've tried to emphasize and I've become increasingly convicted about is so many other religious experiences and worldviews impart on people some sense that they have to go out and proselytize. And what I think is unique about the Christian is sometimes we get caught, I think, in just that same worldview, which is like, well, what, we're going to talk about evangelism. Why? Because Jesus says we need to evangelize or God has made it a priority in the life of the Christian to evangelize. And yet, I think when we talk about this idea of the gospel being not passive good news that demands a response, that at some point it should well up within us that we're not being compelled, even in love per se, to God or obedience, although those would be, I think, noble motives in of themselves. But at the root is this sense that there is an emergency in our world, and in the same way that we were dead and needed life, that yeah. there's so many around us that need to hear that good news message because they are dying around us. And so yeah. it's not a movement, it's an emergency. And that when that compels us, I think, in a way where the heart and the mind are united in emotion and truth, and that's more than just saying, well, I know I need to do this, so I really should just buck up. I think that we need to really come to grasp with this idea that if it's not really passive good news, that that should compel us. But we ought to do some soul searching so that we're not like, it's not derivative compelling. Does this make sense? Like compelling to be compelled, but that we should be praying all the time. God, make me an evangelist in my sphere of influence, because I know that there are people that are desperate to be brought from death to life. People that you are saving and that you will use me to bring those people into your kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we just need to get after that. And I think that that's something that we've, maybe it's been on the surface for a while, but this idea of, Lowercase ministry, uppercase ministry, the gospel, evangelism. Yeah. We've danced around a lot of these things, but hopefully this makes sense to people. They're hearing stuff that they would look back into here and say, oh yeah, that makes sense why those guys talk about that so much. Yeah. And you know, one, one of the things that um, when I reflect on my own Christian life, one of the first experiences that I remember after becoming a Christian, like, like literally like a week later, was going out and doing street evangelism. And I will be honest with you, like, that was a terrible idea. Like, you know, like the saying when you're on an airplane, like, put your own mask on first. Right. Like, it's not as though Christians have to have some, like, level of maturity or reach some sort of threshold before they're, they should be allowed to do evangelism. But it's it's it really is the case that, like, poorly formed Christians, Christians who are not not really conformed to the image of Jesus and are not being conformed to the image of Jesus, they make really bad evangelists. Right. Like they make really bad witnesses when the testimony that they bring is not all that great of a testimony. 
And so one of the, like I said, one of the things that we have focused on and, and not always consciously, but this really is a show about Christian formation. It's a, it's a, a discipleship is another one of those words that I think has those multivaried meanings. There's the formal discipleship of the church, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, teaching everything I have commanded you. That's formal discipleship. And when you look at the way that Matthew 28 is structured, it's clearly talking about an activity that the church engages in, right? It's the proclamation of the gospel primarily on the Lord's day, and it's characterized by the sacraments and and teaching and the word. But there is also this, this community-driven every member ministry, if you want to use that term, discipleship that happens between Christians. And that's the kind of discipleship that we're talking about, right? We're not talking about this. This is not a formal ministry. This is not an, we're not a wing of the church. The only podcast that I actually can think of that might be considered that at this point is Reformed Forum because the OPC has actually ordained Camden to do Reformed Forum. So so that's a little bit of an exception. Most podcasts are not some sort of extension of the church. We are simply two Christian guys who want to devote our time and energy to sharing the gospel primarily with other Christians and helping them learn more about Jesus. And, and the goal of that is then for them to be able to share the gospel with others, other Christians and non-Christians, and to teach them about, about more about Jesus. So I, I hope... I hope that as we've kind of laid this out, that as we go into the next 100, 200, 2000, whatever episodes, as we go into the future episodes, that you can see that and listen to what we have to say with that in mind. I mean, we, we've got some ideas for what we want to do with the future. We've got some ideas for some series. Um, we've got lots of great ideas. So don't don't stop the voicemails. Keep keep calling if you've yes. got ideas for what things you want us to cover, whether it's a book or a, a, a scripture passage or a, a theological concept or a practical question. You know, we we want to answer and, and address all of those questions. We want to we want to talk about anything that you as the community thinks is important. Um, so please keep them coming. And we received a bunch of really great emails and uh, voicemails in response to our challenge for episode two hundred. Uh, and all we said and we need more. We want more. Uh, all we said was to leave a voicemail that somehow celebrates episode 200 with us. So we're going to put it together in a special project. I don't know when it's going to be done. It'll depend on when we have enough content to, to put it out. But bring those voicemails on. Tell us what the show's mean meant to you. You know, we, we've I've heard from people who have shared this episode with a family member who was struggling with a theological issue and they didn't have they didn't feel like they could they could have that conversation because they were too close to the person and you know i've i've had that situation i have family members who aren't saved that i feel like i'm i'm not the right person to to minister to them to to witness to them so i quietly share my faith when i have opportunities and i trust god to bring along someone else who's better situated to be more aggressive and share the gospel in a more direct way and there's been people who've told us that our show has been the way they've been able to broach topics like that with their family. So this this show, not because of anything special that Jesse and I have done, but because of what God has done through mm-hmm. us, this show has been important in people's lives and we want it right. to continue to be. But the best way we can do that is for you to tell us what's useful and what's profitable and what you need from us. And you can do that by leaving us a voicemail at 607-444-2767. Yep. Bros. Thank you. I was waiting. That was the cue. Or, especially for this project, again, celebrate with us, record something to that effect. You can leave the voicemail at 607 444 2767, or you could record it and send it to us at info 
at reformedbrotherhood.com. Yeah. And part of the reason why we wanted to spend all this time just in some ways talking about what we talk about is because it's a reminder that this podcast might be useful to others, either them personally or let us be the awkward introduction to a topic that yeah. you want to talk to somebody about. We're, we yeah. will play that role. We will gladly fall on the sword and be like, listen to these two guys yeah. talk about this. And then you can critique us with that person and have a great conversation. Or maybe, the, see, here's the funny thing is like, sometimes I feel like our podcast carries the name Reform because we believe that to be the systematic teaching that best encapsulates the scriptural truth. Right. And yet, as we just said, we talked about a lot of stuff with Jesus being at the center and really didn't even use any of that language. And so I know it has that title, yet all we're after is the truth. And so yep. that's, I'm hoping if there's somebody out there that maybe has a friend or family member that could use this kind of conversation, even though it carries that Reform title, they'll come around to the Reform concept. We'll, we're, yeah. we're super ingratiating. We're, we're winsome. <laughs> Look at our faces on the new logo. Who wouldn't want to trust true. those faces? I know. The, the, really, the goal is to share the love of Jesus Christ, especially with those who are among the brothers and sisters, and to equip them with encouragement to go out and do likewise in all of the small and big spheres of influence which God has given to them. So it's a weird, lofty goal, and yet I'm so encouraged by some of the things that people have said so far, where yeah. clearly God has taken a simple medium and oftentimes a very simple conversation and has touched people in a dramatic way because the truth always does that. When Jesus yeah. draws near, nothing stays the same. And yeah. so that's why I was so excited that we can always talk about this stuff and know that it's changing us and it's going to be changing those who listen. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way for us to round out the show. So here's to 200 episodes and here's to 200 more uh, and then 200 more and then 200 more <laughs> until Jesus comes back. So uh, I, I'm excited. I mean, it's it's funny because a lot of a lot of shows they their first episode of the show is this discussion. It's this is what the show's about. Here's who we are. Here's why we're doing this. And and we started off the first show with like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> so so this is this is it. Like this is the show. This is the point of the show. Yes. And so for those of you who are are along on this wild ride with us, we're glad you're here and we're excited to see where this community goes and and how it grows in the future. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, make sure you go check it out. We've got some exciting ideas for how to do theological Facebook groups a little differently than than others. Um, we're excited to un unleash this new logo and to get some new merchandise out there. Um, and we're not going to just do the same old um, T-shirt and mug. Like We're looking for some interesting other kinds of products right that on. are available on the market. Uh, it's funny because when we first got the logo design, they had on a, this merchandising site that we're using, they had face masks available. And I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> And then when I went to actually make them, they were no longer available. I'm guessing maybe they were like not good face masks and didn't actually do anything. Probably. So we wouldn't have wouldn't have wanted our faces on that. Probably. But we're stoked and we're super excited. And you know what? I think the best way for us to end this, I thought about doing this, but I thought it was going to be super corny when, when it first came up. Okay. The overall affirmation of the show. Yeah. Obviously, we affirm Jesus Christ. That, that's Amen. been the whole point of this episode. Amen. But underneath that... In reference to the show, we affirm our listeners. Like Amen. we would do the show without you, but we're so much more glad to do yes. the show with this community around us that encourages us, that grows with us, that helps us to grow. So we're excited that uh, we've reached this far. We're excited to keep going. We don't have any intentions of slowing down. Right. Yeah. So get on in on this, everybody. You can go to the website and find all the contact materials. I won't say all those numbers again, but you can jump into it. And if you do really want to have a little bit of fun, 
Go back to like episode 10. See what that sounds like. You can come grow with us because I know some of you have been with us all along. And we're very different, both in the way that we handle ourselves. We run the podcast and you hear our voices, but also, of course, just in the way that God has grown us in sanctification. And to bring this all the way full circle to the initial thing we start talking about, I got to bring up Brother Mike again because this is what a small world this podcast is. On one of the episodes, which he cataloged, I can't remember which one it was, we talked about as an affirmation or just as a general way of encouraging, trying to get people to listen to other preachers that they might not be aware of. So yes. I recommended a preacher, Dr. Mike Fabares, who I became familiar with through a good friend who lives in California. It turns out that is Mike's pastor. So wow, it's a everywhere. It's a small world, and this is God doing what God does best, bringing His kids together. And so yeah. I hope if you haven't, you've been one of those people like longtime listener, first time haven't done anything, just jump in. We'd just love to hear from in. you. Yeah, well, Jesse, until episode 300, (laughs) honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. (laughs)